Hello, everybody. Once again, it is Kirk Henderson, and I am joined by Dan Konst for another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Now, guys, if you don't know about Dan, through the wonders of technology, he is literally on the other side of the planet in Australia. He and I both just enjoyed this Mavs game together as they defeated the San Antonio Spurs 109-103. I'm pleased he's joining me on the call tonight because I wanted Josh to have a little bit of a rest. Dan, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, really good. It's actually this morning for me, so uh, it's a it's a nice. What day is it today? Thursday morning. So it's so a it's pleasure a good to way join to you start your day. Well. It a is, nice yeah. Usually, in a, in a loss, it really hurts and it makes my day really bad. So it's <laughs> nice to kick it off with a good a good win to uh, get me motivated to do things today. Uh, but yeah, it was a really really uh, up and down game. The the first half, I guess, was quite boring I, I i sort of was watching it but wasn't because it was just nothing seemed to really be happening and then occasionally i'd glance down at the score and realize that we're up 15 uh which was a nice little surprise but uh yeah it was a bit of a nothing burger that first half and then second half completely different spurs starting to uh make a run at the mavs and things got a little a little uh too close to comfort really for me but uh the mavs pulling away at the end in a way that we haven't seen them do when times get tough this season. It's been a which while. Is really nice to see. I don't remember. Yeah, I really don't remember anything like that. I they had a late twelve zero run after the game was the Spurs took a lead uh, at one yes. point a couple of times, and then the Mavs basically closed the door with a kind of epic twelve point run that had me. Like I'm a, it's 11 p.m. my time, and like sometimes when these games get exciting in the end, I get an adrenaline rush, and now I'm not going to be able to sleep till like one in the morning. But that was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I was like, I fist pumped a couple of times. So that shows like how intent into it I was. Um, yeah, that 12 a run was so crucial, and like I said, we just haven't seen the Mavs been able to do that at times this season. And more often than not, they crumble or they have a big enough lead that they don't have to worry about sort of closing out a game like that so that was really encouraging especially uh seeing Chris Stapps sort of disappearing for half the game after a really good first quarter at the end he made a couple of uh clutch plays and uh along with Luca just really awesome way to end a game mm-hmm. I the Porzingis first quarter he had 16 points six boards two steals and two blocks to date this season, there's only been nine players who had games games with a box score like that. So there's something like there's something wild. Bobby Corrala tweeted it. So it was a lot right. of fun to see that. But then he gets in these foul trouble. And of course, he had three fouls in the first half and then one in the second. And he gets in foul trouble and just ends up really getting knocked out of his rhythm or at yes. least his comfort zone. Yeah, it's it's tough because he's such a he's such a good presence to have at the rim, and I guess when the Mavs don't have heaps of that, he has to take it a lot on himself. And so there's going to be games like that when he goes at the rim a lot and, and challenges, and he's going to pick up those fouls. But he's usually pretty good at you know getting a what is he averaging just over a little two blocks a game, and mm-hmm. he doesn't often get in foul trouble. But tonight was one of those nights when it sort of came uh, come back to bite him a little. Yeah. It's interesting. You look at the box score and it's really a pretty gross game for the Mavericks overall. They only shot 42% from the field. They did hit 38% of their threes, which is essentially what kept them in the game. They missed a preposterous 10 free throws, um, which, you know, the free throws just kill me because I saw at least four misses in the fourth quarter alone. I, I don't understand how a team which has, you know, Tim Hardaway shooting a 
amazing uh, three-point percentage this year compared to last year, that has Porzingis' shot humming, that has that's taught Dorian Finney-Smith to shoot, and then this many free throws are missed. It was odd. Like, Maxi Klebo was two of five from the line, which he's like a 90% free throw shooter this year. So it's just there's – it's it, on the one hand, you know, it's really it's it's crazy to see some of these things and on the other hand i'm i'm almost shocked that they pulled out the win given given some of these statistical uh numbers and like you said it's just been a while since we've seen them close the door on a team after letting them back in so i i suppose it's like that's that's it's both a good and a bad thing you know and then looking at like luca in particular he had a a just a a strange game he Tied Jason Kidd for uh, triple doubles as a Maverick with 21. He had 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists. He also had seven turnovers because he uh, injured his wrist in the first half on a garbage no call, which uh, sent him back to the locker room. He got hit on the hand so hard that, you know, we'll probably find out what his wrist injury was tomorrow. I'm going to be interested on your thoughts on that with the, because I'm pretty sure you got a good look. But, with the wrist limitations, he ended up really getting into his his bag with in terms of passing. And some of the assists that he had in this game were it's just revelatory watching him find guys. And he he finds yeah. guys in different ways. There was a late Kristaps Porzingis and one where Luca drove and dropped him a dime right into his lap. And I just don't remember that kind of connection between those two. This year, it's always high because Luca, or I'm sorry, because Porzingis is always tall. So, this is a really interesting Luca game because he was he's forced a lot, but he obviously made a huge impact. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about his game? Yeah, there was so many times I was just shaking my head watching him play, especially on those passes, uh, like he said, and and there was even some incredible passes that he did that the uh, mouse didn't finish the play to get the assist, or they they passed out of it. There was an incredible no look, I think, to Dorian Finney's. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith under the under the basket, but I don't think he realized he was super open. And he kicked <laughs> out to the three, um, but it was incredible. Like I don't, I don't think Luca looked at him once as he was coming up the floor. Obviously, he did somehow, and he and he got the uh, the no look. Um, and then there was another behind the back pass to Kleber in traffic that mm-hmm. Kleber wasn't able to finish. Uh, like he's just he has such a good eye for the game. It's incredible. He's just. It's just stupid watching him sometimes, but yeah, his impact was was really great, and especially like there has been times where he's where he fades a little in the fourth. Especially, I've seen it when when the game's on the line. But he was, I feel like he really wanted to take that at the end. Uh, and uh, but yeah, those those seven turnovers, I think he was assist hunting a little at the end yeah. uh, to get that to get that tenth assist. I think he there was probably three or four turnovers when he was at when he was sitting at nine assists. But uh look he also was, you know, carrying the burden of the <laughs> was carrying the ball for most of the game. So seven turnovers is gonna hurt, but you know, when you go to win you can sort of sweep that under the rug a bit. Yeah, and thirty seven minutes is the most he's played the entire month of February. Uh some of that wow. obviously he was out for injury, but you know, they needed him in the game because the, the lead just collapsed. I went outside at the start of the fourth quarter to walk my dog. And of course I come back and the Mavs are only up five. So they needed just, you know, every single one of his contributions. My favorite thing that he's done, and I wish I were better at like film analysis and putting together, you know, videos and such, because the way he moves defenders with his eyes 
or really yeah. where where he ends up looking compared to where he actually passes feels so much like he, he, I compared to like many Euro players, like I wonder what sort of like soccer background he has because some of the vision that he does, like you just don't see, you know, LeBron James is really the only other guy that's of that size that does that sort of thing. It's 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 really yep. fun to watch because what you were talking about earlier with that Dorian Finney-Smith pass, he saw him the whole time but never looked his way. And exactly, that is yeah. so hard. It's it's not even a it's not even like a teachable skill. It's a thing that you're it's it's that you've just got to, you know, be able to play and know that you have it over time because it's the ability to see without looking is really impressive from him. For sure. And I think it is partly that sort of thing. We see a lot of uh Euro players that have those uh, have that ability to do the sneaky passes like through the legs behind the back. Like uh, a lot of the really skillful guys come into the league that I probably have that soccer background where you need to have such incredible vision to see the whole the whole pitch at once and mm-hmm. be able to make those moves. And and maybe there is something in that, but yeah, he he has incredible vision and, and it's so great to watch when when it's on full display. So yeah, he was such a good impact and and uh I mean Dorian Finney Smith, his box score fourteen and four. He uh it seemed pr- like a pretty quiet Dorian Finney Smith game. O- often when he has a good game, you really notice it. But he he was a he was a really good uh, positive impact for the Mavs. And uh, Hardaway Jr. sort of did what he needed to do: uh, seventeen points, two rebounds, and not much of else. Uh, yeah. But shot, shooting thirty-seven and a half from behind the uh, behind three, you know, that's a that's a good little spark that the Mavs obviously yeah, needed. And, and he hit some good shots when when it really counted as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, we'll be right back with a couple more things, but we need to have a quick commercial break. Uh, So I'll be right back with Dan Const, and we'll uh, finish up talking about this game. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. It's Kirk Henderson and Dan Const of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Um, We had the fun stuff. Now let's talk about some of the things that we're a little disappointed in. I'm going to lead the way, and I am... Little shocked at how ineffective the bench unit was. The bench unit for the Mavericks, and this is partially because Jalen Brunson is out. Uh, JJ Bray is getting more minutes than he really ought to have, and you know, Bray just can't help but do Bray things at this point in his career. But it was just odd watching the bench unit have that ineffective a game because they're really why the starters played, you know, and four of the five starters played in the high 30s. And that's because Carlisle couldn't trust the bench. And I feel like that's been a rarity as of late with so many of these guys having good games. But kind of across the board, it was very, you know, the DeLon Wright is just such a confusing player. He played 20 minutes, yeah. has three points, three assists, and doesn't really do much else other than look terrified at the end of shot clock. And and his defense was bad. There's just this disappointing effort from the bench unit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what what do we got here? Five, fourteen, seventeen. It's not. We're used to seeing the Mavs bench really be one of the reasons why they get uh, wins, especially over bad teams. Mm-hmm. And the Spurs aren't a great team. That it's you know what the first time in twenty something years they're not going to make the playoffs. That they're not great this season. And this is the sort of game you'd expect the bench to be able to run over run over them. And you know, and see a game where Luca only plays 28 minutes because he doesn't play in the fourth, like that sort of game. But we don't see it tonight. And and as a result, like you said, what, Tim Hardaway, 36 minutes, Finney Smith, 36. Chris Dapps, the only one in the starters that didn't play under, uh, didn't play over 30 minutes. And that's 
that is a pretty rare sight. Um, and yeah, it's a little disappointing that, you know, D- D- Delon Wright has these great games and then he gives you just this. <laughs> like he can be so good and when he's good, he's great. But when he's doing things like this, it's tough. And and when you don't have heaps of options off the bench, especially for scoring, when Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is coming off the bench, uh, Courtney Lee, I mean, we have two players there that didn't score off the bench and DeLon mm-hmm. gave us three. So it's just a... a pretty pitiful effort um but you know luckily we had great games from our starters which which helps yeah i you know justin jackson didn't play i probably should have uh, talked about that before the commercial break the fact that he has essentially worked himself out of the rotation has to be good for everybody's health because you know he's just so tempting as a, a player with measurables but he's just not very good at basketball i mean I don't know. There, it'd be nice to see Maxi Kleba string more than he basically plays one good game and one bad game. Some of that yep. has to be the extension of who he's playing with because the uh, you know looked like the starters played a lot of minutes together. There really wasn't a ton to complain about on the Mavericks side. You'd like them to hit some more shots. I mentioned that earlier with their shooting percentages. Um, I'm going to broach a little bit into the only other real problem with the game, and I hate to sound like a Houston Rockets fan, but the way the the refs treat Dallas is is problematic and it's hard to watch. Uh Luca injured his hand on a non-call and then the Spurs got him again where you know sometimes Luca sells calls ridiculously. That second time in the second half yep. when he hurt his hand, I thought something was seriously wrong. So the refing yep. they need to this is not a this year problem. They're going to fix it. This is something three years from now where hopefully we'll be able to say, man, do you remember when the refs were just not good? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's almost like we've gone back to that. When we had that lockout season when, when there was just like a, some, I think they brought in a few ring in refs and there was a lot of issues then as well. We it's, I hate being the guy to, yeah, like you said, being like a Houston Rockets fan and talking about the refereeing a lot. But when you see calls, I think Luke got a, like there was a wind up when so he he goes to the rim he's got his hands strapped up i think it was murray maybe just had a, a a big wind up and slaps him hard on the wrist and that's when he starts you know luca was jumping up and down slap, uh, mm-hmm. shaking his wrist so I, those those are the times where you think that you you give that to the offensive player even if you're not sure it, you know judging by his reaction he obviously got hit quite hard on the hand and there was a bit of a wind up so yeah, look, the the refs were, were bad, and it would probably sting more if we lost. But yes, I can sort of look, I can sort of look past that. The other thing I, I feel like uh, was a little disappointing was Seth Curry. Uh, yes, he didn't do a. He just had a lot of minutes and didn't do a lot with it. Um, and I mean, we sort of can't complain as well. He's given us so much over the past. I mean, February has been insane. He's been incredible. But tonight, in thirty four minutes, three points, two assists, two. Uh, sorry, seven points, three rebounds. It's just, yeah, not a great game. At least, uh, at least he wasn't shooting a lot. It's just a, a lot of nothing, really. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, free throws. And the other thing, offensive rebounds are just, uh, they just killed us. It, it, there was times when I reckon there was three Mavs going up for it and the one Spur got the offensive board. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was just, and, and like when you've got Chris Saps, a guy who could almost just touch the rim and you have two other Mavs trying to box out and then, Murray gets the rebound like 
how does that even how does that happen? And I think it didn't hurt us too much. They didn't get heaps of second chance points, but those are the things, especially like when it comes to playoff time, where those are, that's where you lose a game when you just give up. I think at one point it was four O boards to to the Mavs, and I think thirteen or fourteen to the Spurs. It's just that's just that's basketball one hundred and one that you can't have one guy beat three for a rebound, especially on a, an offensive board there. So uh, that was frustrating. Just having a look at anything else. Yeah, turnovers, we've, we sort of talked about that. But uh, that fourth quarter, man, they scored one point in the first five and a half minutes in the fourth. Um, you can't you can't do that. That's, yeah. that was just killing. It was almost comical to a point where I thought we may we may see like a 10-point quarter from the Mavs. But obviously, they uh, they got the, the money when it counted. So, uh yeah, I think that was it for me for for things that I didn't like. I don't I don't know if there was anything else. Like I said, when when you get the win, you sort of forget about those little things that maybe frustrated you more. But uh, yeah, I think that was it in terms of negatives. Yeah, and and this you know just a couple of random notes from me before we get out of here. First, Rick Carlisle used a challenge, and not only that, he won. So that was pretty exciting on a Tim Hardaway very obvious charge in the final uh, minutes of the game. So that was fun. Um, the yeah. Mavericks secured their 20th road win, which is third in the NBA uh, behind the Bucks, who have 24 uh, road wins. They, the Bucks, uh, in, a, in a bit of a side note, the Bucks locked up a playoff spot tonight. <laughs> it's February 26th. They're really good. Um, I don't know if they've. I don't think they've lost a game this season. It's 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 just every time I look at their their games, they're just dominating teams. It's just it's scary. I'm glad we're not in the Eastern Conference. That's I'll sure. tell you who did reason. beat the Bucks, the Dallas Mavericks. I don't that's know true. how that happened. That was probably one their the, one loss, I think. <laughs> one of their eight. So the yeah. the Bucks have 24 road wins. The Lakers have 23, and the Mavericks are uh, third with 20 road wins they're in the middle of uh or i mean they're at the start of a four-game road trip um with i'd qualify every game as as essentially winnable on this road trip so i'm very interested to see where they finish out on road wins um i've not i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but i feel like there's only been one other time this decade yeah it's 2011 and maybe 2010 when the Mavericks won a ton of road games. Uh, let me just look here because I got the I got the stupid thing pulled up. In 2011, they won 29 road games. In 2000, or yeah, two, and then 2012, there's the weird lockout season. 2012, 2013. Yeah, the only other time the Mavericks have really been in the realm of road wins in this decade was that strange year, 2014, 2015, where they won 27 uh oh no they only won 23 road games so the mavericks have a real opportunity this season to to win the most road games they've won with any other year in the last decade with exception of a championship roster it doesn't mean anything i just like kind of following it because this this home road split has been particularly fascinating to me but uh that's about all i got do you have anything else you want to toss in before we get out of here just to piggyback on that i mean i the the good thing about that with the Mavs, it shows that they can win on the road. The the thing that it does for me, it just like reminds me how bad they've been at home because they could have a whole lot more wins if if they're playing this well on the road. Like, what if they if they had five more home wins, we would be you know we would be in a, in like such a different spot 
uh, on the on the standings. If we had if we were able to get a few more wins at home, sure. we'd be third or fourth spot at the moment. You know, like it's just it surprises me that that's the reason why the Mavs don't have a better record that they couldn't get wins at home. But anyway, that's a, that's a broad thing. That's just not from tonight's game, but uh, that just reminds me that the Mavs could be a way better in the standings if it wasn't for those bad home games, yeah. but that's it for me. Well, thanks for coming on tonight, Dan. I enjoy talking with you. We're going to have to have you on more, uh, particularly as you, fi- as you figure out your schedule here. Um, yes, sir. All right. I think that's going to be it. I hope you have a good Thursday, Dan. To everyone else waking up on Thursday morning and enjoying this podcast, uh, tell your friends, subscribe, you know, tweet at me, tell us I'm a moron. You know how this goes, guys. All right, everyone, have a good day.